Hey guys, this is Phil. Thanks for joining us for the Vision Church podcast. We're glad that you're being a part today. Hey, this past Sunday was the 4th of July. It was our nation's 245th anniversary. And so we did talk some about that, but we, but some other things came out too that the Holy Spirit, I felt, really wanted to bring out regarding salvation, regarding water baptism. And so it's something that you'll probably want to digest and study on your own. And I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart as you listen to the podcast. Enjoy. In 1774, the Continental Congress came together. Now, this was an interesting meeting because it was the first time that, that the guys from Philadelphia had met the guys from Virginia. It's the first time the guys from Virginia had met the guys from Massachusetts. First time the guys from Massachusetts had met the guys from New York. So they're coming together for the very first meeting. And once they come together in this meeting, they decide that, uh, that, that all of them are having the same problems with Great Britain. They're all trying to work through these issues because each one of the colonies were their own individual nations. They all govern differently. And they, have a, they had a government for their colony, for their little nation there. And so when they came together and discovered that they were having all the same problems uh, as a unit, they, the first thing they decided to do in the meeting was to pray. And, you know, when we get together and we say, hey, let's pray to start. Normally, if you go beyond 30 seconds, people will start opening their eye going, hey, what's going on here? I thought we were just going to pray. Well, they prayed for two hours, came together, and that was a norm. That was a normal thing. They would come together, pray for two hours, and then they began to study the scriptures. Well, when we, when we do a devotion and we study the scriptures, there's normally one scripture and a little devotion. These guys studied four chapters of the Bible. So they get down the reading in the book of Psalms, and they got down to Psalms 35, and John Adams wrote his wife a letter and sent it to her while they're meeting together. And it said, I think we are studying the book of Psalms chapter 35. And, and it is so impacting to us. We think that we could actually beat the British. We could actually gain our independence. And so they had this meeting together. Now they didn't meet again until not 1976, 1776, they come back together, they reconvene, and in this meeting, they do similar things, they pray again, but Richard Henry Lee, on June 7th, he makes a motion, and his motion is this, that we need to break ties with Great Britain. We need to end that relationship. We need to become our own independent nation. And so all of, the, all of the members of the Congress, they all agree, but what they decide to do is they go, wait a minute, let's shelve that for a moment. What we need to do is we need to put on paper, write a document that states why we're breaking ties with Great Britain. So that way, everybody that reads it will understand why we broke from them. And so they commissioned what they called, what they call it? They called it a committee of five. They tasked with writing this document. And so that five went away. They wrote the document. So they bring the document back on June 28th. That's when they return. So now they look over the document. They go, okay, well, that looks good, but let's shelve that for a moment. And what they did was they picked back up that motion that was made by Richard Henry Lee. And so they picked that back up and now they debated it. They debated it from July 28th all the way until July 2nd, or June 28th, excuse me, until July 2nd. Keep me straight again. All right. And then on July 2nd, then they voted to break from Great Britain. 
So actually, July 2nd is our actual Independence Day. They all agreed. But then, so after, once that was done, then they picked back up the declaration that was written by the five, the Committee of Five, and they took the declaration and now they edited it and they cleaned up a few things. And on July 4th, there were two men that signed it. John Hancock was one of them. He was the Secretary of the Continental Congress. That was why he was one of the guys. But only two of them signed it. It was a printed document. So it didn't look like the calligraphy that we see today. And so then on July 8th, four days later, they rang the Liberty Bell, called everybody together. Everybody comes together. And for the first time, they read this document in public and let everybody know this is why we're doing this. You know, in the first part of the Declaration of Independence, if you haven't read it in a while, I encourage you to. This would be a good day to do it. But the first part, they talk about the philosophy of government. And then they go into 27 grievances that they had against the King of Great Britain. And so some people say, well, you know, what's the Declaration of Independence for? Well, it's taxation without representation. Well, that's interesting because that's only one of the 27 grievances that they had against Great Britain. And that's actually number 17. So it didn't even make the top 10, <laughs> but that's the one that we quote often. And so there were all the grievances. And then there was, this is, this is why we're breaking from Great Britain at the very end. So once that was done, all of the, the 56 members of the Continental Congress, they come together again and they say, you know, we would rather have a, a different format for the document because we feel it's important that, that the king sees all of our signatures on this document. So that way he knows that we're in full union. All 13 colonies agree. And so they did. And so that was why they went back and they did it with the calligraphy. You know, they wrote the document, left space at the bottom, and then everybody signed the document. Now, the interesting thing is, I'm not just talking about the Declaration of Independence, that document, because it's the 4th of July, although it is a great time to be talking about it. But one of the important things that I wanted to bring out is this is what our nation needed was a firm foundation. Now, here's the interesting thing. We have had this one document for 245 years. Did you know that's a world record? And as an example, in the same amount of time, France has had 15 wow. documents of the formation. The average of all the nations, there's 100, well, there was 195 nations back in 2000 and where are we in? 21, yeah. 2018, there was 195. That changes every year because there's civil wars and, you know, but out of all of those nations, do you know how often a new nation, a new document is written for, for a new nation? Every 17 years. Wow. Only 17 years. And so we've had this same document. Here's the importance of that, is it's the firm foundation that the Constitution is built on. The, the Declaration of Independence is the grievances. The Constitution is the answer to the grievances. Here's what we're going to do. So they both work hand in hand. And so this is an important thing to say. So why is it important to have a firm foundation? Well, I want to read to you a scripture that flows right with that. And it's out of Matthew chapter 7. In verse 24, it says this, anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus, I mean, not me, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and, and in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock, a firm foundation. 
And then in verse 26, he says, but anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey them is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it collapses with a mighty crash. So notice that Jesus talks about two different substances here. He talks about whether it's the same substance, but two different variations. So you have a rock and then you have a sand, right? Sand is basically small particles of rock. That's what sand is, right? And so, but interesting thing about this, a rock, something that falls on a rock has to form to the rock. The rock doesn't give, right? I mean, rock doesn't give. And, but sand forms to whatever sits on it. You sit on the sand, it forms to you, right? Okay, here's why I wanted to bring this out is in Ephesians 2.20, Jesus is that rock. Let me read this to you. This is out of the NLT. He says, it says, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So sand forms to us. So in essence, what I'm saying is when we get born again, we form to Jesus. He doesn't form to us. The rock doesn't form to us, but some people have turned Jesus into sand to try and make him form to them, to their belief. See, when we read the Bible, we should read the Bible expecting our beliefs to form to the rock. The Bible is the rock, right? Instead of going, you know what? Well, I believe that, but you know, that chapter, I think that was for yesterday. I think that was historical. I think that's more historical, historical, historical. I hear this all the time. But see, sand, that's turning Jesus into sand. I'm just gullible enough to take the Bible at face value. That if it said I should do this, then I think I should do this. If I want to be successful and prosper in my life, if I want to have a long life, then I need to honor my father and mother. Well, if the Bible says that, then I'm looking for ways that I can honor my father and mother because I, I want to experience, I'm not trying to make this thing a selfish thing, okay? But that's just the reward of honor. Honor has a lot of different rewards, right? So I want to read another scripture to you, Matthew 21, verse 44. It says, whoever falls on the stone will be broken. Who's the stone again? Cornerstone? Jesus. Whoever falls on him will be broken. Why is that? Because it's, it's our flesh dying. It's not fun. I'd love to say, oh, this is a, man, this is a ball, but flesh dying hurts. It's painful. But you get in the gym and many of you exercise and you get in the gym. Does that feel good? No, thank you for your honesty. That doesn't feel good. Why? Why? Because when you exercise and you lift weights, you're actually tearing the muscles. Why? Because they grow back stronger. Well, when our flesh is being torn, guess what? It grows back stronger in the spirit, right? And so I want to read another scripture to you. Oh, and then it says, whoever the stone falls on, he becomes powder. Man, that's not good. Romans 12, verse 2. It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what I discovered because whenever people talk about salvation, salvation, all I hear is new life, new life, new life, new life. When you get born again, you get a 
brand new life, right? And they would be 100% right in saying that. You get a new life, but that's not the only thing. The other thing is this, there's a death that occurs. There's a death that happens. And it's the death of our old man. Well, Phil, how do you know that? Well, I know it from Galatians 2.20. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. That sounds like a death. Sounds like a painful death. It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. So I live, uh, so I live in this earthly body by trusting the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you can't have a life change without a life exchange. So there's a death that happens. You know, I think about, I think about Nicole. When I asked Nicole to marry me, she didn't bring every other boyfriend into the marriage. What she was saying by saying, yes, I'll marry you was, I'm sa- what I'm saying is I'm cutting off every other guy. You're the only one. It's you. I saw this video recently. I've, while my family was out of town, I took, I took advantage of it because I had all this time and I was loving it uh, because I went, through, I went through most, you know that John Bevere released all of his, most of his series on the Messenger X app, which I encourage you to get. Man, I was going through almost every one of his series. I was just listening to him back to back to back. I was taking notes. Well, he played this video. I was going through the one called Killing Kryptonite. I'm not going to tell you what that is because you need to go and watch it and find out what that is. But while I'm watching that video, he did, his sons put together, his creative team put together a video in that um, that had this, this husband and this wife that go out to dinner. And when they get to the restaurant, The husband, he's never been to this restaurant before and he thinks she's never been here before. But what he discovers is the waiter who's waiting on them is her boyfriend. And he's bewildered. And then another guy comes and sits down and he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? And the guy kisses his wife and he's like, hey, wait a minute. What is that about? And then another guy sits down and he puts his arm around his wife and he said, hey, you don't kiss her. You get your arm out for my, why? What's going on? He is bewildered because she has brought all of her boyfriends into the marriage. And I wonder sometimes, you know, do we, I'm getting ready to use a word, so forgive me because I, I, I'm trying to think of another word to use and I can't. But I mean, do we prostitute our relationship with Jesus by bringing the other stuff in when we died to it. I heard one minister say it this way. He said, are we entertaining ourselves with the, with the very thing that Jesus died on the cross to set us free from? Oh, man, that'll change your movie selection, won't it? We used to have, when my kids were little, we used to have, these are our kid movies and these are the mom and dad movies. Anybody else? You know, don't raise a hand. I'm sorry. I don't want to put you on the spot. But I, we, had, we did that. And maybe you can identify with that. And I was like, I remember I looked at it one day and I thought, why am I poisoning myself and I don't want to poison my kids with that? And I just thought, this is wrong. And so I got rid of our mommy-daddy movies. Okay. That went over real big. So <laughs> salvation... Salvation is death, but baptism is burial. 
Man, this is so good. I read this out of the Message Bible in Romans chapter six, and it just ministered to me. So I'm gonna read it to you. It says this, in verse, chapter six, verse three, it says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in the old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. Thank you, Jesus. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. That when we are lowered into the water, it is like a burial, the burial of Jesus. And when we come up out of the water, it's like a resurrection. We're being resurrected with him. Man, that's what we're getting ready to do this morning. So each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going into this new grace, sovereign country. Thank you, God. So what are we saying through water baptism? That what what we're saying is that we are now declaring our independence from the old life, the old man. See, the old man died on the cross when we received Jesus. He died with Jesus. But now the significance of water baptism is that when you go into the water and you go down and you come up, you're burying that old man. He has no right to be around you anymore. But I want to read another scripture, and I read this to you last week because I thought this was interesting because some people, they get saved, they make Jesus Lord of their life, they get baptized, they bury the old man, but then they keep going back and visiting the gravestone. Somebody was telling me yesterday, uh, it was my neighbor. uh, He's doing, lives over in that house. He's doing drone, he, he has a drone business now. And he's a young guy, and so he bought a drone, and so he's like taking sky pictures of, of different things and, and, and working that business. And so he did this for his grandfather. His grandfather had this ranch that he loved. And so he took this beautiful aerial view of this ranch. And she said that they took the picture and they inscribed it on the back of his tombstone, which is almost as wide as this platform I'm standing on. And I went, man, I didn't know they could do that. That was really cool, you know? I mean, have a picture. But... <clears throat> Imagine we do that with the old man. I re, yeah, I remember when. And it's like we're celebrating what we used to be able to do instead of enjoying the new life that God has called us to. This adventure. So let me read this scripture to you. It's Romans chapter eight, verse 15. It's in the message. I'm gonna ask Zach and Rebecca to come back. <clears throat> this is in verse 15 in the message. It says, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Why, I'm too busy with my relationship with Jesus. I am too intimate with him. I don't have time to go back. And, and I, I don't mind looking in the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror is supposed to be a reference, not a focus. Because if I focus on the rearview mirror, I can't go straight far very well. I texted and drove yesterday, I'm sorry. 
I, I wasn't texting. I was actually trying to pull up something on, I was trying to pull up the messenger app, <laughs> get, get my message started because I had my ears in. But the problem was I was going down 112. That's a bad idea, <laughs> especially right here, you know? And I'm driving down, I'm like, whoa, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. But that's what we do when, we're, when we keep looking backwards and we keep looking back at our old life. We keep going back to the gravestone and visiting the gravestone and looking at that beautiful aerial picture of what our life used to be. We're supposed to look at it through the rear view mirror. Yeah, I remember, I remember when, but God, I thank you, you set me free. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that, you know, we, one of the reasons we wanted to meet here today was we wanted to, we wanted to celebrate with you Independence Day, but we wanted to open up our house to you and, and, and be grateful for the, for the goodness of God. Because I gotta tell you, I'm not looking back at the very first house that we owned on, on East 28th Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma that's now in a really ghetto part of town. You don't wanna be over there in after dark, you know, it's a pretty rough area, you know, but I, I'm not looking back at that house going, man, remember when, honey, remember when we had, we took that chain link fence out and you planted those flowers and we started growing fescue under those big oak trees. And I'm not looking back at that. Why? Because I've come, I've moved to a new place. All right, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are, who you really are. We know that He is, and we know, we know who He is, and we know who we are. He's Father, we're His children. So salvation is the death of the old man. Baptism is the bear. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.